Are you curious about, interested in, or working within the field of anesthesiology and you are a woman, person of color, or otherwise do not fit the stereotypical image of what an anesthesiologist looks like? Then this is the podcast for you. We will discuss what life is like on the other side of the blue drape for us. Issues most relevant, such as what is anesthesia really? And we're not talking textbook definition. Tips for applying, success in residency, life as an attending, and beyond. Join us each week as we take a dive into this rich and often misunderstood field. This is your host, Dr. Alicia Peterson, and welcome to Sivo Sisters. Welcome back to Sivo Sisters, where we seek to demystify and diversify the field of anesthesiology all within the duration of an anesthesia. We are kicking off Women's History Month. And I say this tongue-in-cheek because on this podcast, we honor, uphold the stories of women within the field of anesthesia. That is our aim. You are going to meet a dear friend of mine, a leader in pediatric pain medicine, Dr. Amber Baruki. Understand that behind that pretty academic bio, there's a real story and a struggle. Dive into her story. See what resonates with yours. And we're going to highlight in this episode how to care for a family member while undergoing medical training. Please enjoy. It is my pleasure to introduce Dr. Amber Baruki. She is such a dear friend of mine. Shout out to Boston Children's Pain Fellowship. That is where we met. She is currently on faculty at Stanford, the Department of Anesthesiology, specializing in pediatric anesthesia, pediatric pain, regional, on board of directors for Society of Pediatric Pain Medicine. She's a true leader in our field. And Really, we want to get into because you see all of what Amber does, and you might think to yourself, well, you know, that's just her. She probably has perfect grades, you know, probably comes from a family of doctors with money and all of that, you know, like, yeah, that's that's great for her. Um, But what you're going to find in her story that actually none of those things are true. Uh, So, welcome, Amber. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. And I'm so excited to be on the show. I've listened to the show before and I love it. So (laughs) we love to hear that. Thank you. You know, one of the first things you shared with me, the reason why we vibe so well is that you're so down to earth. You're incredibly grounded. You have an upbringing. I mean, you didn't have a silver spoon in your mouth. What your experiences were sort of growing up and, and how did you end up being attracted to medicine? Oh, great. That's a great question. I grew up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Hey, Chicago. I know both of yeah, us. Yeah, are- Chicago native <laughs> here. I actually grew up on the South side of Chicago, you know, life circumstances would have it as I was an only child. And my mother was a single mother who was very, very hardworking during my childhood while I was kind of between the age of five and I think 12, went back to college at night to get her bachelor's degree. And ultimately she became a public accountant, impressed upon myself from my mother to be very hardworking and self-sufficient. I'd come home and there was an expectation that in the winters, the driveway was shoveled, the that I'd made dinner um, when I got to be in my teenage years, that the house was clean. She had me installing floors in our home. You know, we put in pergo floors in our kitchen together. I was landscaping. I was doing everything. So 
I think the that background really comes from my mom and that upgrade upbringing um, of really hard work and ambition from her. Wow. Yeah. I mean, talk about rolling up your sleeves mindset. She's working full time and then going to college at night. And so what an example she said for you. Uh, and she went into, you said, an accounting. Uh, mm-hmm. What sort of attracted you to medicine? I said from a very young age, I wanted to be a pediatrician. Actually, I wrote a paper on it in sophomore year of high school. Um, I think I was, my mom said I was always like, you know, pretending to examine my stuffed animals and actually interested in veterinary medicine initially. And I was a pre-veterinary major at the University of Illinois, took a class on that as a freshman and actually, you know, realized that it was really hard to like have a connection with, with the animals and realized that actually I changed my direction to taking care of, of, you know, people and humans instead of animals. Okay. Uh, Pursued pre-med. Correct. And did you take any time off between college and medical school? No, I'll never forget. I I thought I might have to, so I took my MCAT and pairing, and I you know everything. I did not do as well as I anticipated on the MCAT. I had what they called kind of like a bubble score, like you're kind of on the bubble. You 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 know could potentially get in. We don't know. And I never, I'll never forget. I met with an advisor, and I was really concerned. And she said, "You know what? Throw your hat in the ring." That was literally her advice. Was you know what? throw your hat in the ring. Um, And so I applied for three different medical schools. I applied to University of Illinois at Chicago. I applied to Rush Medical Center and I applied to Loyola and um, only got an interview at one, Mm -hmm. which was Rush Medical Center or Rush Medical College and um, interviewed, uh, went to my interview and the gentleman I met with was just uh, a really cool guy. Um, and he immediately, I kind of just knew we meshed well together. He, he, uh, he had a son who went to university of Illinois where I went somehow I got into rush and it was my only school I got an interview at. Yeah. Um, And guess what? You only need one. Yes. You only need one. Yes. You only need one. Yes. So that's amazing. And I noticed you stayed local. Yeah, that was intentional. I, I, um, I felt, I think it was, you know, wanting to be near family and things like that at the time, which in the, in the long run was very helpful that I stayed local. So during medical school, um, my mom, during my second year medical school, my mother got diagnosed with uh, cancer. And during it was, she was found to have um, three lesions in her pancreas. We actually got it, got, had a long time to get it evaluated. It was found to be synovial sarcoma, which is incredibly rare to be found in the pancreas. I took almost nine months off of of medical school in order to take care of her as I was an only child and she was a single parent um, to help take care of her, get her through chemotherapy. Wow. I mean, we already know medical school by itself is difficult. Uh, Navigating medical school while caring for an ill parent would just exponentially increase the difficulty of that. You know, how did you uh, get the time off? How did you, were still able to pursue your studies in the midst of such a difficult, difficult time in life. You know, I um, I had a great medical school. I will say they worked very hard with me. The medical school um, actually ended up putting me on independent study. They were nervous that if I took a leave of absence, it wouldn't look good on my transcripts. So they let me take a leave of study and I used that time to, um, to actually study for my um, step one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what they used the independent study time for. Um, they were very supportive. They moved a couple of times. We had to move tests in my second year around so that I could 
I would be able to um, make it when I was at appointments with my mom or my mom was in the hospital. They were very supportive. So I think I think I, I would like count my blessings that I went to a school that actually prioritized their students and really cared and really supported me. For those who are in the same situation, who are having difficulty perhaps with their, or maybe their medical school needs more guidance as to how to be more supportive, you know, what would you offer um, as advice for that student? I think that obviously if you have anything that's going on, I would absolutely, you know, see what the school says when you first interview, find out how they prioritize helping, you know, helping people. Um, I interviewed at a residency program. My mom was sick um, and I could tell right away they would not be supportive. And so they weren't an option for me. Um, And then if it does occur, obviously I immediately reached out and spoke to all the leader, all the leadership in the program and um, kept them involved and looped in. And um, yeah, I think, I think making sure everyone understands the impact that this is going to have on your on your training and and making sure I think they they understood that I was kind of the only caregiver for my mother, so there was no other option here in this situation. Um, I think that was helpful, letting them know kind of all of the all of those details. I was very very open to letting them know that um, everyone may not feel the same way, but I think it helped um, them plan everything ac- accordingly. But definitely, if you have a situation like that that you're going through, I would absolutely find out policies, what they have in place, what they're able to do. Uh, For tips for those of us going through training who have to take care of a a sick family member, you know, one, communication. You mentioned that you were pretty open with the leadership of the program about what your needs are uh, and what the situation is. I think far too often we want to go along and get along and we want to try to carry everything and act like everything is fine. And then suddenly it's not fine, right? We, we yeah. snap, we have an emotional break, something, you know, horrific happens and then we decide to share. And I think that's a bit late. You know, you're saying to really at the very beginning, communicate what the needs are because you already know that, you know, what you're carrying, the load you're carrying is definitely going to be a lot heavier than someone else who doesn't have that load. Right. Uh, and that will certainly impact your performance and they need to be aware of that and provide supports for you so that you could still continue. Um, right. Secondly, I thought it was incredibly insightful for your, for Rush to label that time off as independent study. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? Because now on the faculty side, you know, as we look at other you know, applicants for our programs and everything, that question always comes up. Did you take a leave of absence? And if you did, why? And to have to explain each and every time why you had to take a leave of absence, you know, why do you have to, it's just, it's just so brilliant of them to circumvent that whole line of questioning for you and just call it independent study. Like that was brilliant. And I would almost encourage any of you, if, if you can have that option to ask for your school to give you that option. Um, yeah. Because and, that, that was really brilliant of them. They they were saving you headaches, you know, right down the line. And I wasn't even aware of yeah. all of the headaches they were saving me. They did it and they just did it without me asking intentionally and told me that this is going to be better for you in the long run. I didn't even, it wasn't even at that moment in my life. I was so, you know, there's so much going on. I, I couldn't even think about the impacts or ramifications further down the line. I was just thinking about getting through right now. And they intuitively did something to help me um, further down the line. So 
hats off to them. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And then uh, thirdly, you know, you mentioned identifying what policies are in place for such circumstances. And I mean, when you're overwhelmed with already having to deal with medical school and taking care of a family member, um, I would advise partnering with the program director to help do that digging for you so that, you know, you know what is already you know, set for you and you can take advantage. And I think one other thing too, is just knowing that you can go to your GME office too. Um, and they should be, a, they could be a really good resource to let you know as well. I think that was one of the things we did is I paired with the head of graduate medical education at, at Rush who then kind of helped me on that path. For those of you who are in the difficult position of caring for a family member while undergoing medical training, please don't do it alone. We want to carry everything. We want to look like everyone else. We don't want to give anyone any indication that we need more support. And I'm here to tell you that you need more support. Your load is exponentially heavier and you should not carry that alone. Allow the organization, allow your department to support you. Don't let it build up until either a negative patient event happens, or you have your own mental or physical break. Dr. Baruki offered from her story the following. One, being incredibly transparent. As soon as you know, as soon as life hits, let your leadership know. Tell them about it. It's okay if you don't know what your needs are going to be, but let them know because they can help rally around you and help meet some of the needs you didn't even know you had. Secondly, if you have to take a leave of absence, see if this can be branded as an independent study. Leave of absences are seen as red flags, unfortunately. Every time they're brought up, you you would have to be explaining yourself over and over again. If there is a way where this can be labeled differently so you don't have to go through that, explore that option. Thirdly, partnering with the GME office. This is one of their roles. This is a way that they are to serve you. And a little bonus uh, tip. Dr. Baruki mentioned how during the interview process for her residency, she knew that she would still be caring for her mother. So she weeded out those programs that did not look like they would be supportive. An ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. If you walking into a space, my journey is not going to look like somebody else who doesn't have this responsibility. You take the step to weed those programs out that aren't going to be a good fit, that aren't going to support you in what you need. Some people find that very scary, like, oh my gosh, I'm limiting, I'm limiting who can match with. Good. You want to limit who you match with. They're doing the same for you. They're weeding through applicants and you need to do the same thing because she would not have been able to complete her program if she did not have that supportive community. It really does take a village. We say it takes a village to raise a child, but it takes a village for us to really do anything. All of us 
got to where we are because someone looked out for us, because someone said, go ahead and do it anyway. What's the worst that can happen? And that is what advice she got from her advisor in undergrad to apply to medical school. What's the worst that can happen? Go ahead, put your ring in the hat. You would be no worse off. And that leads me to the next point. I'm going to put in the show notes a book that I think is amazing regarding asking. I think many of us don't want to ask anybody anything. We're super self-sufficient and we want to be the person to just do it all. But there's a lot of cons with that. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to do anything alone. You can get help. The book is called The Aladdin Factor. How to ask for what you want and get it. I strongly recommend you pick up this book. It highlighted for me all the ways in which I can get help and improve my networks, improve my relationships, all without losing my own head. So please pick up that book. Consider asking more often for what you want, what you need, and you'd be surprised when you ask you may actually get it. Join us next week where we're going to continue with Dr. Amber Baruki. She has so many gems that we are extracting from her story. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sivo Sisters. If you love this episode as much as I did, head on over and rate and subscribe so you don't miss out. New episodes drop every week on a Monday because we all can use a little something, something to get us through the week. Am I right? I'd love to hear more from you on the topics that you want to hear. So let me know in the comments. This is Dr. Peterson signing off. See you next time.